Welcome to Way Family Church. You're listening to our sermon podcast. Way Family Church is a new church plant in Tucson, Arizona. We welcome you to join us every Sunday morning at 1030 for worship, the word, and fellowship. If you'd like more information, visit us online at wayfamily.church. And so today's sermon title is The Little Big Troublemaker. Think about that in regards to taming the tongue, the little big troublemaker. Let's read James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. It says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the love that you express in that when we read, when we dive into this, we find something that will grow us, something that will correct us, something that will train us up to be more like you, Lord Jesus. And today we ask that you would open up our hearts to receive from your word, that this would not uh, go void and and, and that it would produce a fruit, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, we are here, Father, to hear from you today. Speak through me, Lord. May it be your wisdom, your words, not mine. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you notice there, apparently the Christians that James is writing to had a serious issues with their tongues. All right. They had a serious issue with an uncontrolled mouth, uncontrolled lips. Their words were wild and rampant. And perhaps this is why in chapter 1 of James 19, he says that they ought to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Now you say that to someone who needs to hear it. Be quick to hear, be slow to speak. There's an issue with everything that was going on there that they're saying too much that didn't need to be said perhaps. And the Christian who does not bridle his tongue is as questionable as one who says he has faith but no works. It kind of goes hand in hand with what we talked about last week. If we look ahead to chapter 4, verse 1 in James, and also 4, verse 11 and 12, it's easy to get the impression that many of those in the church were verbally aggressive to one another. Just look ahead when you have a chance. 
Um, it, he says, why, 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 what causes quarrels against you? What causes fights among you? Right? Implying that there was a lot of bickering going on. It was, I think, like a good episode of Judge Judy, if you can think of that. And some of us have been in churches where we have experienced such a thing. It's just fire coming out of people's lips and it's not pleasing to the Lord, right? And so this is what James is referring to. And so uh, in this chapter, James emphasizes the power of speech and it is one of the greatest power has, that God has given us. And so we really need to consider that and having considered that, right? Okay, we have, the Lord has bestowed upon us something pretty incredible, something that we'll see has power of life and death. Wow. Okay. So if we have something like this, we need to be able to know how to use it. You don't give a child a sword, right? You don't just go and hand someone a gun. You have to have give them training and license to be able to do that and have the full, full confidence that they're able to use something that is capable of protecting or hurting. Likewise, we need to be aware of what our tongues are capable of doing. And I think that this is beautiful that James and just the, the beautiful leader that he was takes the time to do this. You know how hard it is to approach people in their sin? At least for me, you know, some people are more confrontational. Uh, me, not so much. Uh, it's hard for me to call you out on your sin. That's just so noticeable. But this is an expression of love from James. And so it continues to be an expression of love for us that we have this instruction so that we know what to do with what the Lord has given us. Amen? And so we have great power. With the tongue, we can praise God. We can pray. We can preach. We can lead the lost to Christ. Or what can we do? We can tell lies. We can gossip. And we can break each other's heart. Have you said something to someone that you've regretted, that you have regretted? You, it, it, it hurts sometimes. Sometimes we're surprised even at the things that we're capable of saying. There's a lot of power in the tongue. The ability to speak is the ability to influence others as well. It's not just how it impacts you, but it has an influence to those who are near you, around you. That's why we call people who like to podcast, like to preach, right? Or they're just influencers, they use their words to influence others. And so that is something that we need to be careful, especially when it comes to being Christians, because as Christians, we represent the Lord. And so with what we say, we can actually bless or we can cause destruction, damage. And what we want to do is bless the Lord in the things that we say and represent him well. We don't want to damage his reputation, because that's not his character. A lot of people have an ill interpretation or a representation of what the Lord is, but that's our bad, because we have uncontrolled tongues, perhaps, or because our actions do not display the faithfulness of God. And so James uses some imagery, and we'll see it here a little bit more in depth. He uses some imagery here to help us understand the gravity of our words, and that control speech is very important. Okay. He gives us six pictures of the tongue. Now, as we read, you probably noticed that he mentioned the bit, the rudder. We'll combine those together. He also mentioned the fire, a small fire, a dangerous animal. We'll combine those together and see what's that about. And then he also mentioned a spring and a fig tree. So if we, with those combinations, we have six pictures in th that, that we can put into three different categories that reveal the power 
of the tongue. So let's know, okay, what kind of power is in the tongue, right? And so the first category that I want to look into is the power to direct. And James uses the illustration of the bit and the rudder. You think about what those are. They are tools that are designed to direct, okay? And so let's go to verse one. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach, teach will be judged with great strictness. Now, this is interesting. He says, not many of you should become teachers. Apparently, many of them wanted to be teachers, right? This implies that there was a desire for people to teach. Well, this actually makes perfect sense if we consider the, if we consider the context of the culture at hand, right? The, the culture here was very status-driven. You're either high status or low status, and it was hard to move, you know, be, especially from low status to high status. A teacher was someone with prestige. A teacher was someone that was respected, that was honored. And so here we have an opportunity to be teachers. This means that I can climb that ladder of status, right? And so a lot of people had that desire. I'm, I'm not going to say all people, but, but it, it implies here that many had the desire to be teachers, but they wanted to be teachers without the implications that come with being a teacher. And that's accountability, right? And that's also uh, uh, just the responsibility that comes from knowing what you're saying. Um, I, today, I, I can say this today, and tomorrow I'll probably say something a little bit more, just even better than today, but I can tell you today, over 10 years ago, when I started teaching as a youth pastor, I said things that are so wrong, you know? And it was out of ignorance, but I promise you, I didn't know that at the time, and I thought I was cool for it. I, w I really did think that it meant something for me to be given an opportunity to be able to teach. Hindsight 2020, I was so lost and confused, right? And I can say that confidently now, I didn't know what I was saying. In fact, if I can have that group of people that I was teaching again in front of me, I wish I could so that I could correct a lot of the things that I said that were wrong. It was very ignorant of me to just go and say something. What I did was I eisegeted and not exegeted. I used the word of God to declare my message and kind of you know, use some scripture to make the point that I wanted to make rather than taking the message of the word of God and proclaiming that, and that, that's it. And so a lot of us do that, and we're capable of doing that, and I've probably said a thing or two here and there, that's probably not 100% according to the will of God, but we're a work in progress, sure. okay? And so this is the attitude that we ought to have as teachers, and if we read here is this warning that comes from James as well, he says, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, this is important for us to realize, and I promise you, Pastor Timbo's here too. We know, oh man, we're going to have to give accounts to the Lord when we're, when we're done, right? And the more I think about that, any moment that I think about, oh, that brings me to my knees. It's like, Lord, why did you call me to do this? You know, but here's the thing though. It's not just pastors, not just people who have some kind of podium, some kind of platform to teach. We all individually do it through conversation, right? A lot of us like to post selfie videos of us giving some kind of advice. I don't know if you guys are that kind of people, are you guys? No? Okay. But you know, that's, that's very popular nowadays. You know, we all, you know, teach in, in some capacity. Parents, we're constantly teaching, right? 
Friends were constantly having conversations with one another, instructing one another. And then in verse two, he goes on and says uh, here, for we all stumble in many ways. So not just teachers, we all, all of us stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. So teachers, not just teachers, also everyone else, we all stumble, especially with our words. We really have to think through what we say. Now, this is a little bit harder for me because I'm an extrovert. My wife can attest to this. I process verbally. As I'm saying things, sometimes it's the first time I'm hearing them even for myself. And that's a very dangerous thing. As opposed to my wife, who is an introvert, she thinks about the words that she's going to say before she says them, you know, and and that's something we got to know about ourselves. You know, hey, do I process verbally? If I do, let's let's make a disclaimer out there. And so I've kind of learned to do that. Hey, I'm just thinking out loud right now. Okay, this is not to be put in stone yet. (laughs) But we all stumble and we all stumble. And what the things that we say, if we didn't, we would be perfect. We would be able to bridle our whole body as well. Um, Emma, do I have pictures of of the bits in the, the writer here? Do you guys know what it means to bridle and the bits? Do you guys know this, kiddos? No? Let me show you a picture. You see this? You see the straps on the horse? That's called a bridle. You see the piece of metal that's in his mouth? That's the bit. This is how the rider is able to control the horse. And you see that, that little piece of metal in the, mouth, in the mouth of the horse? If you pull to the right, the horse is going to mo- go right. You are able to direct the horse because he has a bit in his mouth is held by the bridle. Got it? This is the example that James is using in regards to our words. We have to be able to control what we say the way a rider controls the horse that has a bit in his mouth. Now, he also uses the, the, the example of a rudder. Let me show you a rudder. He uses the description of a large ship. I, just, I didn't realize there was people on that rudder until like this morning. Yeah. Big ship, small part, rudder. That rudder, that little piece that you see here, guys, this little thing is what turns the the big ship, okay? And the description that he uses is that there's winds, there's currents, and all of these things are powerful forces. And without that rudder, without that little thing that directs the ship, that ship can get lost in an instant, you know? And so it's very important for us to have control over our words like a A rider has control over a horse with that bridle and bit, and like a captain has control over a ship, and you know that big steering wheel that the the ship captains have? It turns the rudder. That's what it does, okay? And so these are the, the images that James uses to be able to get the point across. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, We guide their whole bodies. With that, we're able to direct their whole bodies. He says, look at the ships also. They are so large and driven by strong winds. They are directed. They're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. Okay? So the tongue has the power to direct. All right? We can direct people with the words that we say. And we will see here in a bit that we can direct them towards heavenly things, or we can direct towards the opposite, okay? But that power is bestowed on the tongue. All right. 
Got ahead of myself here. Let me catch up. Now look at this. Just like the ship has a contrary force when it's out in the ocean, the wind, the currents, you know, we also have a contrary force that works against us constantly. What do we call that? Sin, right? And so it's very important to be able to come to have control of this like a pilot in the ship does, right? Look at Proverbs 18.21. This is the wisdom that we find through the, from the Lord here. It tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. No wonder, think about this, no wonder David prayed this way. Look at David's prayer. Psalm 141, 3-4. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the, the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. This is the attitude that we should have as well, having full understanding that there are opposing forces out there that are trying to get us to be wayward, right? That are, that are really pulling against the path that we should go. But Father, set a guard over my lips. That should be our heart's prayer. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. And I think the key word here is the heart. Look how David knows that the heart is the key of speech, right? It's what comes out of the heart. In fact, Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when Jesus Christ is the Lord of our hearts, that's what's going to come out of our, of, our, of our mouths, right? When Jesus Christ rules our heart, when he directs our heart, we will be able to see that or hear that from the words that we say. And when it is not Jesus Christ, we see that as well. And so it starts from the heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, the power of the tongue, as mentioned, does not only direct us personally, but also helps us in directing others. Let's note from the wisdom of God again through Proverbs. Proverbs 15:1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrain his lips is prudent, is smart, right? Yes, the tongue really is like a bit in the rudder. It has the power to direct others to righteousness or to destruction. And that's the second thing that James is saying here. The tongue also has power to destroy. And the two images that he uses to make this point is fire and animals. He's got a list of animals here. This is the second thing. And so if we look at verse five, let's go to verse five. So also the tongue is a small member, small compared to our whole bodies, right? It boasts of great things. Yes, a little big troublemaker. Okay. It boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Huh. Other translations say a spark that small of a fire. Do you go, do you, did you girls ever watch Frozen 2? Yeah. Remember that little salamander that had fire? Yeah. What was his name? Bruni or something like that? I don't think he had a name. This little guy? Do you, remember, do you remember this scene where he kind of runs in and he's all in fear and crazy and this little guy turns the entire forest on fire? <laughs> Let's see the forest on fire. And everyone's like, oh, Elsa, help. <laughs> right? This is kind of like what, what James is talking about. This little thing, this li it doesn't take much to create a big forest fire. All right? That's like our words. It doesn't take much. It does, 
We, we don't have to say much for us to get into big, big trouble or cause big, big trouble, right? This small flame, this small spark can be a big, big problem, right? Other, uh, a, a great fire can begin with just a little spark, has the potential to destroy. I don't know if you guys went to Mount Lemmon after those fires in 2020. Man, did it change everything up there, at least where I went. It was like, this doesn't look so good. You know, um, there was a year where my wife and I were driving to the White Mountains, and usually that drive is pretty. There's rolling hills and nice trees. And there was that one year, it was like, what happened here? You know, that large fire just changes everything. It destroys anything in its path. It has huge potential for huge destructions. Our words can start fires. We have to note that. Our words do have power to destroy. Proverbs 26, 20 through 21 says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And there is no, when, and when, when there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Hmm. And sometimes we already have a problem, we throw more into it. But when we zip the lip, <laughs> things start getting better, right? When our tongues are out of control, destruction happens. Here's something interesting. Those who spread fires with words typically consider everything and everyone else to be the problem. We need to know this. If you think everyone and everyone else is the problem and you're telling everybody that this is the problem, chances are that you're the problem, okay? Because as soon as you remove that person or that person's no longer in proximity, that fire seems to go out. All right, and so we have to be conscious that if there are issues, there are problems, there's a right way to deal with them, there's a wrong way to deal with them. The wrong way to deal with them is to just start talking about it with everybody. That does not help. And this is important for us to know as Christians, as those who imitate Christ. David says in Psalm 39, 1 and verse 3, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. And then in verse 3, he says, my heart became hot within me. We can probably relate to this. I'm sure we, we do relate to this. As I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Now, when, when David speaks, though, he's, he brings it to the Lord. He doesn't just blast it out there. That's a very wise thing to do. And so when we have that experience where our heart is blazing, and I know we all have had that experience, right? That's a human natural experience. It is best to bring that to the Lord, muzzle our tongues, right, our mouths, so that we don't spread any wildfires, so that our words do not cause destruction, they do not destroy, but instead bring it to the Lord like David did, right? Share it with him, come to him because he's capable, he's able, in fact, he invites us to do that. And so I know that we've all had that feeling, I know that we've all had the experience of being a hothead with burning hearts that lead to flaming words. And I know that we can all probably think back of a moment where we've said something that we definitely regret. The truth is, it's part of the sinful nature, right? And it's, prob and it's probably why Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 17, 27, 28. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now look at this verse. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. That's interesting, right? He's considered wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. 
In other words, it's smart to just not say anything when our hearts are on fire. All right? Because we definitely have the potential of large destruction, of the potential to destroy. Verse 6 says this, And the tongue is a fire world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. Staining the whole body. See, fire not only starts small and it grows, it also creates heat, smokes, and smoke defiles, it stains. When I was in middle school, I went to a small private Christian school. We had our own little building, and we were excited about the building. It was a new building that year, okay? Our class was uh, eight people. A whole, a whole, I think it was, we were eighth graders that year, and someone lit the school on fire, our building on fire. I still don't know if it was intentional or whatever, but the, the, the building caught on fire. And I remember being told, there's no school on Monday, the building caught on fire. And initially we're like, oh yeah, right? No school on Monday. But then out of curiosity, we wanted to go and see like, what does it look like? And sure enough, they actually welcomed, welcomed us to come in the next day to be able to help clean the building up. Now, there was a few rooms that you could tell the fire was in there. The destruction was very evident. But our classroom, our particular classroom, did not have the actual fire in it. And so we thought we're good. But when we got in there, we realized that everything was covered in soot. Everything was black. Everything, even though the, the flame didn't touch it, it was still destroyed. It was still impacted. It was still stained by the smoke. And even the things that we thought were preserved, when we opened some you know, desks and cases and whatnot, we thought these things survived. When we pulled them out, guess what? They were still stained by a smell, that stench. This is what James is saying. It goes far beyond we could, that we could even recognize sometimes. These fires, this destruction is of high impact, and therefore we need to be super careful with the things that we say, yeah? He says, staining the whole body. Fire does not just start small, it continues to go. And then it says, setting on fire the entire course of life. What James is saying is that hurtful words don't just end there in that moment. That the damage has the potential and can continue to, 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 to be with us, right, as life goes on. If you're, if you're hurt, if you're wounded by someone's words, it's not just for that moment. In fact, there's people who still are carrying some, some wounds that people, you know, inflicted on them with words. And so we need to be careful with the impact of this destruction that comes through the tongue. And it says here, and set on fire by hell, our sin that's what that means, is what ignites these fiery words. These fiery words can destroy our souls. Look at what Colossians 4, 6 says. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Hmm. The tongue is not only destructive like a fire, it also is dangerous like an untamed animal. That's the other picture that um, James uses, an untamed animal. Let's look at verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Some animals are dangerous. Some animals are poisonous. Some animals we don't touch and we don't hang out with, Right? because they're wild, dangerous animals. And there are some animals that are tamed, we welcome them into our homes. 
They are a blessing, not a source of destruction. We have three dogs. Two of them are pretty large. You've probably met them. You know, if our animals, our dogs were not restrained, if our animals were not trained or uh, let's say tamed, uh, there'd be no reason for us to have these dogs in our house because if they knew it, they could hurt us. They could really hurt us. In fact, the biggest one with the biggest mouth stays in the bedroom with the youngest daughter. Why? Because he is tamed, but has the potential for terrible destruction. And I know he has the potential for terrible destruction because on a blessed Mother's Day, we left him in our, my bedroom accidentally and he tried to get out and he destroyed my bedroom. So I know he has the potential for destruction, right? But because he's tamed, he is unwilling to hurt, right? This is the imagery that we have here through James. They, when they are, unru are unruly, we have problems. We have destruction. They can destroy. But when they are tamed, they can be a blessing. Fires can be tamed and animals can be tamed. But he says in verse 8, no human being can be tamed or can tame the tongue. Now, have you ever tried to tame someone else's tongue? You tell them to be quiet in uh, more aggressive ways, right? We, we try to tame others' tongues. And did you notice that that doesn't work? You know, sometimes kids say something they shouldn't say. We shove soap in their mouth. Um, that's, that's our attempt of trying to tame the tongue. Sometimes we try to tame our own tongues. We just can't. We do not have the power to do that. And I know it sounds like a downer, but the good news is, although we don't have the ability to tame the tongue, God does, and it is his job. That's what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit in us does, and we can count on that. Look at this beautiful example, the apostles at Pentecost in Acts. You remember what happened? Well, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, and when they received the Holy Spirit, it was described as fiery tongues, okay? And they were... They received this spirit and they proclaimed things. They were given the words to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many came to salvation. It was a beautiful thing. These tongues were not from hell, but from heaven. Because their hearts were completely changed, radically changed in that moment by God himself. It wasn't them trying to force anything or trying to fix anything on their own because they're completely incapable of doing it as we are. But the Holy Spirit in us is what transforms us, gives us the words to be able to encourage, to exhort, to bless others right? This is the attitude that we ought to have. And do not be discouraged that we don't have the ability to tame the tongue, but Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us absolutely does. Let me just read this message again in Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our heart is filled with hatred, with darkness, it'll speak that. If our heart's filled with the Holy Spirit, it'll speak of that. Amen? Finally, the third category that reveals the power of the tongue is found in the picture of a spring and a tree. Okay, let's look at verse nine. And this is the power to delight. The power to delight. The tongue also has the power to delight. Verse 10 says this, from the same mouth come blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so, blessing and cursing. James is pointing out the sinful nature in us. We are wishy-washy people, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. In fact, in James chapter 1, 8, if you recall that verse, he says that we are double-minded and unstable in all of our ways. He's, just, he's kind of referencing this, this problem that we have just as people. We need to be sanctified. We 
<coughs> bless and curse with the same mouth. And then he says, <coughs> these things are not to be so. All right. It's easy to come to church. It's easy to say, brother, I love you. God bless you. Oh, we sing these beautiful songs and hymns. We praise the Lord. We say the things that we need to say. And then we're out of here. We get into the car and then I think it's happened to all of us. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. James says these things are not to be so. Okay. These are the problems, of course, that we have to deal with, that the Lord deals with us as well. The problem is not so much the tongue, it is the heart. Let's just get that from the get-go. It is the heart. It's a heart problem. We say things because we have a heart problem. But if we continue to fill our minds, this is why we take time in the Word of the Lord. If we continue to fill our hearts with the Word of the Lord and we continue to yield to the Holy Spirit, ooh, change happens. Beautiful change happens. And then we start saying, we start singing poetry to our spouses. Ideally, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we are transformed when our heart is transformed. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. See, the tongue also has the power to delight. And verse 11, look at this. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? What is a spring? A spring is a source of life, fresh water. Mankind requires water to be able to stay alive. Now, uh, I traveled to Guatemala over a decade ago now, and we were in the highlands of the country. And uh, the, the locals there were really excited uh, to show the visitors, you know, the, the highlights. You know, like if, if someone comes to Arizona, you want to show them the Grand Canyon, right? So if you go to the highlands, the countryside of Guatemala, the locals in that town, they want to show you the birthplace. And initially, I remember my brother and I were like, what is the birthplace? That sounds weird, right? And they said, no, 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 we want to show you the birthplace. And this is the way they, they, this is the title of the place. This is what they know it as. And so this is the way that they communicated. El nacimiento. Ven a ver el nacimiento. I don't know what that means, right? And so we're thinking, okay, let's go across the street and whatever, and we're going to go see this birthing place. I'm thinking it's a house or a hut or something, you know, something crazy like that. We start hiking. We're hiking a mile, and it keeps going. And we're in the woods. And so the question comes up, hey, what is this birthplace? Um, where are we going? And then they start explaining, oh, it's our spring. It's our natural spring. It's, what, it's what, where birth starts. You know, life starts here for our community. We want to show it to you. It's one of the highlights. Proud, they were proud and they were joyful about this. They needed to show it to us. And so we finally get to the spring. And I was so disappointed to see what I saw because I imagined to see like little old faithful. You know what I mean? Like this little this little fountain coming out of the ground with beautiful plants and flowers everywhere. And I'm thinking like reindeer drinking out of it and whatnot. And instead, it was this spring, but it was enclosed in concrete. I have a picture to kind of give you an illustration of it. This is not exactly the one that I saw, but it looked like this. It was really disappointing. Okay, but they were so proud of this spring. They were so proud of it because they knew what this meant to them and they wanted to share it with us. This is our source of life. This is how we are able to be where we are. And unlike this spring, like there was like nothing around it. They, they just plummeted, they, they plumbed straight out of that box into their neighborhoods, right? 
And so this is the illustration that James is giving us, is our words ought to be like this, this spring, this source of life, this sense of delight, right? Not destruction, delight. And so he uses this illustration as well as a tree that produces fruit to delight. We ought to be using our words, the power that's found in our words to delight, not just one another, but the Lord, you know? Uh, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, in the Lord's word, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water who bears his fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. And anything that he does, he prospers in. Okay? Like that. When we delight ourselves in the Word of God, when we fill our hearts with the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, that's what our mouths are going to do. They're also going to share words of delight. Okay? And so, let's finish our chapter up here. He says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So, it could go both ways. The tongue has the power to direct, right? We can direct either so that we are destructive and we destroy things, or we are delight and we bless things. And so, what we say matters. What we say matters a lot. We need to know this as Christians. And so, this is absolutely, the Lord has blessed us with a little big troublemaker if we're not careful, or a little big blessing. Amen? Now, this is my takeaway for you today. Give God your tongue and your heart each day and ask him to use you to be a blessing to others. Do it daily. Do it moment by moment. Give it to him. Surrender to him, and he will transform our hearts and out of the abundance of the heart, so does the mouth speak. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you, Jesus, that we have this discipline from you, these instructions, Lord, to be able to represent you better. But we ask that you would help us in what we say. That it would start from our heart too, Lord Jesus. If there's any stain in our heart, Father, we ask that you would cleanse it. We ask that you would really just take over, Lord. That you would help us deal with the underlying sin, not just the surface one. We could come to see what is it that's causing me to say the things that I say. What is it that I'm needing, Lord? I know that the answer is you. We need you. We need more of you, less of us. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to transform our hearts, Lord, to reflect you, that you would dwell inside of us so that there is no room for fresh water and salt water, but fresh water only. That we would produce and season, that we would bring forth fruit that would bless others, Lord, and that we would be able to direct others to you and to your will, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the blessing that it is to know you, to be grown by you, to be called a son and daughter, Father, of you, the great King. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I want us to just kind of stay in the moment with whatever it is God's doing in your heart, whether it be conviction or encouragement. And as you, as you stand, would you just...